start in Genesis chapter 11, and then we're going to talk about Apocalypse, and then we're going to talk about the book of Revelation. Oh, light topics. So that's where we're going. Uh, we have a few minutes to cover all these topics. Uh, but the point of the book is not to go really in-depth into things that you go in-depth to, but just kind of some samples of how, how to approach the Bible. And the point that we're going to make today is that one of the things, one of the points he makes in the whole book is the Bible is mostly, should be about now, how we live now. Whereas a lot of people read the Bible about what can we know about what's going to happen in the future or maybe what happened in the past. But maybe how does it change if we read the Bible about what does it say about how we should live right now? That's kind of what it's going to emphasize. So, first thing we're going to start off with is Genesis chapter 11. Uh, if you have a phone or an actual paper Bible, See one of those at least. Uh, turn to Genesis or you say turn to Genesis of the paper Bible. What do you say if it's a phone Bible? Tap. <laughs> scroll. 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 So Genesis chapter eleven. Uh, I should have put it on a slide, but I failed to do that. So you're gonna have to read it um, I will read together, but have it out because I would like for you guys to discuss. One of the, one of the things is um, when I was young, if you could guess about what I thought this story was about when I was a young kid, that's one of your questions. Guess what I thought it was about. And then discuss what you think it's actually about. Okay? So we're going to read just the, this is about the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, or your translation might say they migrated east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. That's what my translation says. You might say Tatara there. Uh, just to pause right there. What's the difference between building with brick and building with stone? Uniformity. Uniformity. And what does uniformity allow? Strength. Strength. And you can maybe go higher if you have bricks. So bricks, you now control the shape of everything. And so what we have here is technology. Um, and mortar helps keep the bricks all together. Then they said to ourselves, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower and the tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the whole face of the earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and the word Babel means confused. 
And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So, uh, talk with some people around you. I want to give you about five minutes to do this. What do you think the story is really about? And if you want to guess at what I used to think it was about when I was a kid, maybe you thought it when you were a kid. So what? Uh, why is God not happy with what they were doing? Things along those lines. Discuss amongst the people around you, and then we'll come together with some ideas. Sounds like God's jealous. 
God is jealous because what are they doing? Well, he says, what does he say? What does he say exactly? If we don't stop them, they will, oh, anything they want to do, they'll be able to do. Yeah. God's God doesn't come off as a... Uh, how does God appear to be in this story? Jealous? Yeah. Petty. Look, they're humans. Here, do, you, do you know... Okay, guess what I thought when I was a kid, what they were trying to do. What are, what are some guesses? They built the tower to heaven. I, th- I thought they were going to build trying to get up to where God lives. Did you ever think that? Or maybe you still think that? Um, as I read the story now, I don't think that's what I think. So they're building a tower to the heavens, but the word heavens doesn't—it means sky. It doesn't just—it doesn't mean. It doesn't always mean heaven where God lives. So they were just—I think they were just trying to build a really tall tower. I'm not sure they were trying to build a tower so that they could walk up to heaven. Um, that would be a long walk. Um, but, you know, uh, they don't have elevators back then. So. Um, so I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's what it is now. So we got to figure out what it is. Yeah. Uh, we kind of thought that maybe it was because God knows that power corrupts. And um, too much power just makes you not need God and you know, just yeah. forget about it. Yeah. So there's a critique of uh, power being concentrated in just one area and one people because that can become oppressive. Yeah. That's uh, absolute power, perhaps absolutely. Is that from Spider-Man or is that from American history? <laughs> Spider-Man is the great power comes great responsibility. What else? I like that. I think that's right. Anything else? When I was younger, I always thought it was to explain languages. Yeah, so there's a part of the story that just, how, how come everybody speaks different languages? Well, here, here this explains it because they all have one language, um, which I guess was Hebrew. Um, <laughs> That's God's language, Hebrew. So God comes down and confuses the languages. So they're built, they're working on the tower, and then somebody's like, Can I borrow your hammer? And somebody's like, No, I'll do it. That's still going to go. And then they can't borrow the hammer. I always wondered, too, do the languages change? Hopefully, with, you know, it's not like husband and wife now speak a different language or the parents and kids. Maybe the whole families would stay, I don't know, it doesn't, I don't know, the story, if you start drilling down on it, uh, historically, becomes difficult. Uh, yeah, so it's an explanatory for why different languages. So, what um, Rob Bell in the book says, and I think this is, I think this is right. The story, I think, is a critique of power and the way that technology, this new technology of books, and you think about in our own experience how new technologies can create situations where if you are corrupt, 
then you can build an empire and you can use the technology to be oppressive of other people. So I think there's something in the story about the a critique of empire building and a critique of misuse of technology, how technology can be prone to you know, the thing about uh, being a human in, the, in God's image, I think it gives us great... Uh, we have more ability to do good things for the world, but with that extension of ability to do good things comes an extension on the other side of you can also do more damage. Like I think about the difference between a human, humans and animals. So we can do a lot more good than animals can, we can also do a lot more damage because of that thing. So um, there is something in the story here about how we should take care of the earth. Uh, Bell points out that in the previous chapter there's a guy named Nimrod. Be aware of Nimrod. Um, and it's his descendants that, that settle in Babylon or Babylon. And they're known as Nimrod as a mighty warrior. Um, have you ever heard the term like Nimrod use as a what's such a Nimrod in there, a doofus or you know, like a big doofus or a strong doofus um, so it's those people maybe that are getting all this power and so that's why God intervenes so it's not that God is jealous or afraid it's that he's concerned about the issues of power. What do you think? Does that work? Other questions? I think it also had to do with the wickedness because if you go way back to Genesis 1, you know, he scattered people and he did that on purpose. He told them to go populate the earth, mm -hmm. not in the spot. Mm -hmm. And then he cleared the whole earth in what, six or seven, whatever it was. And then he still made that statement to be scattered. So in, in some translations, it actually says that it was a command that they be scattered. Right. And they were defying that command by coming together and yeah. saying, hey, let's be together, let's be one, be motivated, said, let's yeah. scatter across the earth. Yeah, I think that's something too. So they're, they're wanting to say, hey, let's build a big tower. It's kind of like the center, central place, and that we can all be organized. So we can yeah. Yeah. Instead of going and doing God's will of fulfilling or working the earth and spreading out. Um, so, yeah, so. You know, Genesis chapter 12 is where we get the call of Abraham. So we have at the beginning the creation, things, you know, Adam and Eve are called to fulfill the whole earth and all that. And then there's the sin, and uh, they're removed from the garden, but they're called to keep living out. And then it gets really, really bad in chapter 6, and so there's a flood. And then after the flood, Noah, his family, lives. And now it's getting bad again in chapter 11. So now we have God's call of Abraham. And that becomes <clears throat> God's ultimate way of, of getting people to fulfill his purpose is by, through Abraham, creating a nation that serves as a light to the other nations and eventually brings about the Messiah which eventually brings about Jesus, which eventually brings about a church, which eventually brings about this group of people that's supposed to be doing God's will on earth the way it's So the whole solution to the problem of 
corruption in the world is a group of people doing God's work. So this whole story kind of fits the whole narrative of the Bible. Okay, let's go on. Um, so, uh, two types of apocalypse. What, do you, what comes to your mind when you hear the word apocalypse? End times. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is a movie about Vietnam. Uh, so, the word apocalypse is a Greek word, which means to reveal. Um, and the, the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, begins saying this is the apocalypse that was given to John, the revelation that was given to John. But the book of Revelation has so many four horsemen of the apocalypse, the four horsemen, all these images about beasts and the number of the beasts and destruction and that type of thing, that the word apocalypse in English has come to refer to <coughs> devastation or destruction or some sort of judgment and that type of thing. Uh, so uh, the word in English doesn't mean what it means in Greek. In Greek it means a revelation. But two different kinds of apocalypses that Rob Bell talks about. One the kind where the world as we know it is going to end because of something catastrophic and unexpected. So something that comes from outside of us. So it could be some sort of um, zombie apocalypse, I suppose. Is that our fault, the zombie apocalypse, or is that... Oh, for sure. It's going to happen. Or you could just have, I suppose, the sun could overheat or eventually as it will, uh, not in our lifetime, or your kid's lifetime, or long after that, uh, we're going to burn up somehow, something like that, um, or there's an apocalypse, the kind that we bring on ourselves through, as Rob Bell talks about, fossil fuels, nuclear bombs, what we could do to each other, so if you're, if you're aware of dystopian novels, there's different kinds. Where's, where's zombie apocalypse on this? It's more number one? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between? Not just two kinds of apocalypse, maybe? Um, okay, next thing. What he says, and I think this is an interesting point, some people have tremendous concern about the apocalypse we can't control, number one, and nowhere near enough concern for the one we can control, which is number two. Um, I don't know where you stand on global warming. I don't know where I stand on global warming. Uh, I know there's discussion about, I mean, there's some observation that it seems to be happening. Um, at least things are different in our times than they have been in the past. I guess there's discussion about what causes that. I've heard that cow flatulence is a huge problem. <laughs> they give out a lot of the gas. Yeah, uh, but but that, you know, we could say it's not us, it's the cows, but why do we have so many cows? Because why do you eat that meat? Ham, you know, McDonald's hamburgers. Um, okay, so what, uh, 
Rob Bell says is that the story we read in the Bible is about this world, our home. That's. Do you agree with? Oh, we're going to read the whole statement. Then I want to see if you agree with that. Jesus didn't talk about a God who wants to burn this place down and take us somewhere else. He talked about the renewing of this place, the only home we've ever had. Jesus talked about a coming time when God would restore and renew and reconcile and redeem and make things right. And he invites us to anticipate that day by doing our part to bring heaven to earth here, now, today. Um, Carrie Underwood has a song called Temporary Home. This is our temporary home. Is that right? Is that Carrie Underwood? Um, <laughs> you're not familiar with her work? No. She lives here in Nashville. Go Preds. Um, we, we used to sing an old school song when I was in church, This World is Not My Home, I'm Just a Passing Through. Uh, there are some verses that say, do not put your mind on earthly things, but put your mind on things that are above, for God is seated up from and above. Um, but what one of Bell's points here and is how does it change if we think about, we're not just, you know, I, another point, uh, I didn't learn this myself, but I got it from students who were raised in church that, that learned what the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, stands for. <laughs> Basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions. Anybody ever heard that before? Basic oh, yeah. Okay, that's wrong on several different levels. <laughs> um, number one, yes. the word Bible itself is not an acronym. Uh, it's from the Greek word biblos, which means book. It's a holy book. It's just a book. It doesn't mean basic instructions. And basic instructions before leaving earth implies that this world is not our home, that we live here for a while, we get some instructions. This is this world is like a, um, what do you call a temporary test? Uh, what's that word? Like you're an intern and you're being tested to see if you qualify for the next... <laughs> what's that? Pro yeah, probation. It's a probationary probation, yeah, period. That's good. So, purpose of this whole life is probation to see if you can qualify for another world, another life that that's up in heaven, where we're all gonna play harps and float on clouds. I don't want to play harps. Um, so, what I'd like for you to discuss with your group now is: Do you agree that? The story we read in the Bible is about this world, which this world actually is our home. So, number one, do you agree with that? Or do you think that um, we, our purpose is just to escape the world? And the second thing to think is if you do think that the point of the Bible is about this world, our home, and making it the, the right place, how does that change? how we practice church and Christianity versus the idea that we need to leave the earth and go somewhere else. You get the point? Mm -hmm. So, number one, do you agree with this? Number two, if you do agree with this, how, what is it, how does it change about how we actually think about the purpose of what we're doing in church? You got me? Okay, discuss amongst yourselves.
for a little bit. I mean, here's the thing. There's oftentimes Josh and I are, are lined up on, on the thing. And we do not, people think that, like, there was actually a comment somewhere here about how I'm like, Josh is like a little minion who's like trying to like douse out these like progressive radical. And I'm just like, we don't talk. Like we we talk, but it's like we we are like I'm doing a thing and he's doing a thing, and it just like it's all. Sometimes it works out like that. Yeah. So it's like yeah. those kind of questions. But again, like, but again, like that's, I believe that is us making it all in our image. Because we expect heaven, whatever heaven is, to just be this. But like a little bit like the weather's only 70 degrees. Because that's just what our minds want to do. Right, yeah. It's like, it's whatever our little mini personal heaven would be. Like, I get to see my grandmother, but which version am I going to be able to see? I don't know. I don't know the younger version of that. So I want to see her as like, but like in her mind, when she was old, she wanted to be 20, 26 again. So it's like, it's, yeah. And it's the mystery that, that bothers us. Yeah, okay. I'll jump in. Okay, um, to hear your thoughts on this. Um, so, uh, let me just start with, I just want to pull the class. Uh, I guess maybe raise your hand if this is different from what you feel like you were taught in church, that you were taught more that we're going to leave. Raise your hand about that. So... I'm just curious of how new this is or how different this is for you. Um, okay, does anybody have a question about this, or did you? Are, is everybody on this page, or are you not on this page? And if you're not, why not? Yes. Um, I the big. I, I don't necessarily fully agree, uh, mainly with like the part where it says he's going to come and renew and reconcile, like. Revelation 21, 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Revelation is pretty cryptic, but yeah, it's one of the most clear verses. <laughs> yeah, the next slide is about that. Um, notice that he's, he says, I'm going to renew all things, or I will make all things new is different from saying, I will make all new things. That'll preach. Uh, so he doesn't say, I will make all new things. I will make all things new. And the, the word for new there usually means new and improved, renewed, like a, a new and improved version of like your iPhone 10 or something. You know, I will bring out Earth 2.0. Josh actually talks about this morning. And yeah. He says it's a marriage of the two. Yeah. So heaven comes down and meets the earth and makes yeah. it new and old again. Yeah. And that was a, that was a vision like a spoiler of. alert. Hello. The sermon is going to come back on this. Uh, so um, that's good. There's a new heavens and a new earth in that passage you read. And and what somebody said to me that made sense is like, why is there a new earth? Because we're taught that we're going to heaven. So why why is there a new heavens and a new earth? Who's living on the new earth? And what this suggests is that, and I guess we saw it some in the Bible story in Genesis 11, God's the one who lives in heaven. We were not created to live in there. We were created to live on the earth. The earth was created for us, and it's our place, and it's our home. And our goal is not to leave here and go live where God is, where we don't belong. The goal is for us to live here on the earth. Okay, what else? How does it change what we're all about? Yeah. So a, a few years ago during the, the riots um, in Ferguson and things with the um, police shooting and all of this racial um, unrest and things, I just remember my Facebook feed being flooded with comments about, oh, Jesus comes soon, like this is all such a mess. Um, and on the one hand, I can understand that hopeful anticipation of this new heaven and this new earth. And on the other hand, like, go out and be Jesus. So I think that it, it changes our, our theology about leaving this all behind versus restoring and renewing this changes our, our thoughts as Christians about what we do about these problems. Yeah. Back there. You, yeah. you raised your hand, right? I forgot. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'll say that in part if the idea is this is just temporary and I'm getting to go to heaven because like I got in some water and I said a prayer I'm not going to do anything to help like renew and like be a light to and restore the current earth that's just flat out lazy and so like if that is the theology that's lazy like the work is I need to be a part of this. Do I believe that body and spirit are within me, or I don't? If I do, then I need to get off my butt and actually do something. I need to be about the work of bringing justice and life and love and hope and mercy and peace to all of this. Like, oh, well, I said a prayer. Oh, wow, you were raised in a Christian home. You got baptized and said a prayer. Good job on just like following a, a, the lines. Woo! 
<laughs> go to heaven you go, my friend. All this, get off of it. Like, all this that's ridiculous. We get all this and heaven too. You gotta get off of it, my people. Like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> okay. Two, two minutes come to now. That's in the wrong place. So, um, the book of Revelation is an apocalypse, right? Uh, that's where we get the word apocalypse. Um, can be read as if God is revealing through John all these symbols and code that properly interpreted will let us know when the end times are coming. We can try to figure out who the Antichrist is, even though the book of Revelation doesn't mention the word Antichrist, but it mentions a beast, which people connect to other passages that talk about Antichrist, like in John's letters. Um, and it's just like a, it's like a book written in code that's actually talking about what's going to happen way, 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 maybe way in the future, or maybe if we could figure out who it was, maybe soon. I don't know if you were raised in a church that did the Left Behind books and movies and things like that. Uh, I read the first Left Behind book. Uh, but that's kind of that approach, that the book of Revelation, if we can read it, get all the symbols worked out, and go back to the book of Daniel, which it draws from, and figure out seven times seven and all these things, then uh, we can figure it out. But the book of Revelation, Bell points out, and he's right, is it starts off as a letter. Uh, to seven churches who are in a situation where they're facing persecution, they're facing oppression. And uh, what good is it to tell those churches, here's a code that you can figure out for 2,000 years later? Uh, so maybe it has a message that's more relevant to people who are in a period of persecution and suffering. That is, that there's somebody, and it uses all these plays on empire and Caesar and Rome um, and Babylon, and says there is a stronger power than the one that's oppressing you, and even it's a slaughtered lamb, and so there's going to be a victory, even though an apparent defeat, slaughtered lamb, is really the one that's actually on the throne and is going to bring about the victory. So. Um, going. We're going to listen to that in a minute. Um, okay. Keep going. So he says, let's say a friend of yours lives in Syria in the next village over from a village that recently experienced a chemical weapons attack. What kind of letter do you write your friend? Do you write her a letter about things that are going to happen in thousands of years? Or do you write her a letter like Revelation, which condemns evil calls out the injustice of those who use their power to oppress others and inspires all those in the thick of the struggle to stay strong and not lose heart because life is a stronger force than anything aligned against it. So it is a, a difficult book because it uses a lot of symbols and things that are hard to figure out. The illustration that Bell uses is when did uh, Nirvana Smells Like Team Spirit come out? This is the... the yeah. You guys know this song? his band. Uh, he says at the time, you know, the other songs were like, it was hair metal bands, uh, Guns N' Roses and things like that. And then you have Nirvana and their music, and it was just like, well, this is different. Uh, and I never really thought about the words to smell like King Spirit, but let's see if it comes up on the next. Um, 
push play on that. We'll just end with a just what do these words mean? Oh, oh. But uh, maybe they kind of rhyme, and you can kind of slur them, and like, it's more of a feeling. And this is the thing about the Book of Revelation: is if you sit and try to parse out every single image that's given and what it means in the context of the first century, I don't think that's the purpose. It's more painting in broad strokes, a big picture. And you're supposed to sit down and read the whole book of Revelation kind of, and just be bombarded by the images and get a feel for it and a sense that the, the slaughtered lamb is the one who's in control and uses all these images that are applied to Caesar to apply to Jesus to say, if you're being persecuted, if you're being oppressed, there is one who's on the throne who's going to bring about true justice. Uh, so that's the illustration. Um, that Bell gives for the Apocalypse and Revelation. But the whole point of this is to say our goal as Christians is not to try to sit here and figure out what's going to happen in the distant future. Uh, it's about practicing justice now in this life, in this world. God's will being done on earth the way it is. Okay? All right. Thank you very much for being here today. And uh, enjoy the sermon. See ya.
Grab a donut.